Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. It is a live broadcast from the studios here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and your questions 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. Text me at 720-336-0897. And let me just say, unless you heard Encore at the beginning of the program, it is a live broadcast. Uh, Just to give you guys a date, uh, today is, what is today? Thursday, December 10th. Um, Fresh back from uh, our mission trip to Watts in California. Uh, Such a powerful, beautiful inner city ministry with Pastor Jose and the church Hope Central Watts. Man, what an amazing time we experienced. It was glorious. It was glorious. God is so good, faithful, full of joy, full of, oh man, I can't wait to talk about it. Maybe you have a question about it. Uh, Give me a call, 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 is the number uh, text me at three or uh, 720-336-0897. And even got some great news. We got a book ready to be uh, made available for the very first time this weekend at Calvary Church. I hope we have enough. We pre-ordered some uh, to get them on time to get them out. It's called God's Help for the Troubled Heart. Seven and a half years in the making, three years of working on it. Born in grief, written through comfort. And the Lord is ready to encourage you. You've got to get this book into your hands. It's a great Christmas gift. Uh, it's a little uncomfortable, me like uh, talking about my own book, but that's how much I believe in it. I really believe that God wants to put it in your hands or we wouldn't have required, you know, we wouldn't have put so much resources and times uh, into this, um, because it, it, it is, we got to get it into your hands. You got to get a copy of it. I know the Lord wants to use it in your life. Um, uh, it is available this weekend, starting this weekend at Calvary church, 303 uh, God's help for the troubled heart. Uh, get it this weekend, Calvary church. We're in Aurora, by the way. Uh, and, uh, we would love to see you, be a part of your life. We are open, 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 open. Uh, I know um, while I was away in California last week, I heard that the governor changed his orders so that churches are essential now. Uh, that might cause churches to, yay, yay, yay. Uh, the governor said we're essential, but um, I don't personally want to celebrate that because I don't need the governor to tell me that churches are essential. I already know they are, and so we just need to be open, and we need to be careful and cautious, 
And let me tell you, even when you're careful and cautious, COVID is it's a it's a virus, man. It's gonna you. Some people are gonna get it. You take the risk. Um, I was thinking even recently, somebody was saying, "Oh, I can't believe you went to watch. Why would you take the risk?" Listen, listen, listen. So important. Um, this is a very, very important. You cannot hand out food via Zoom call. You cannot go door knocking, sharing the gospel via Zoom. You cannot lay hands on a lonely, elderly person. You can't minister to the kids by Zoom. And we walked into the projects in uh, in Watts as a mission team on purpose. We knew the risk. Uh, we we assessed the risk, and and I'd do it again. The opportunity to I'll do it again. Um, because I want to serve the Lord. I don't want to put anybody at risk, but I want to serve the Lord. And so we put, you know, all precautions, uh, washing our hands, careful. But man, we gave out, check this out. We gave out over 20,000 pounds of food. We kind of set up a grocery shop right there in the middle of the projects uh, with my friend Jose uh, in his church. But mostly it was our team, our team here at Calvary Church. This was the required trip uh, that... Uh, is is required for the school of ministry, and I had the privilege of joining them, and we went on, and just hey, we serve in the Lord. It was awesome, so encouraging. It was sad to leave. We made so many new friends. Can't wait to go back. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Here's a text question. It's a simple one. Why can't women preach? or be pastors? Well, let's divide that question. First of all, there is no prohibition against women preaching at all. There's no prohibition against women preaching or even teaching. However, there is instruction in the affirmative that pastoral elder leadership is to be male. Uh, a pastoral elder leadership over the church is to be male. Uh, that's given to us in First Timothy uh, chapter 3. Uh, and also uh, later Timothy will talk about the role of authority uh, within the church, which I think he's saying the same thing. But there's no prohibition against a woman teaching, no prohibition against a woman leading. Uh, some of the great leaders in our church here at Calvary are women. Uh, just and tremendously gifted, uh, wonderful ladies like my wife is an example. Uh, Shandell is a great example. Debbie, Deb, uh, I can name a lot of names of women that God uses. Amy, um, Jill. I mean, I could go. I could go on a list of of just the glorious role and position of women in our church. However, none of those women hold a pastoral authority in the church. Uh, because that was God ordained, but hey, man, they all preach, they all teach, um, they minister to the gospel, they love, they serve, they serve communion. Um, there's a thousand things that men and women can do in the church, and you know, let me just say that there is a prohibition against some. Well, I would even say this: there is a, also a prohibition of most men cannot be uh, pastors or leaders in the church. Um, because of character issues or gifting issues or calling issues. 
And it's not, aside from sin, it's not a negative thing. It's God's ordained will. Great question. Thanks for texting it. 303-690-3000. Got full, excuse me, completely empty lines. So give me a call. Uh, Let's see here. Hey, Pastor Ed, you mentioned some Christian stations on TV aren't the real deal. Uh, That's correct. What do you think about the 700 Club? I don't watch the 700 Club very much, uh, so I can't really speak to it. Um, But the home I was staying with in California, the brother I was staying with, I loved the 700 Club, and he uh, felt like the Lord used it greatly in his life. Um, But I, I don't know much about it. I know about Pat Robertson. I know sometimes... He can be extreme in things, but I'm sorry. I don't know enough about the 700 Club to comment on it. Um, But I could say this. um, I haven't heard things that would tell me to tell you to stay away from it. So that's great. 303-690-3000. How do predators, here's another text question. How do predators such as lions and alligators fit into God's creation? It seems as though God created them with massive power. Uh, did this happen after the fall? I find it hard to believe that lions were playing with the prey they um, now eat in the Garden of Eden. Is it possible evolution happened after the fall? So the Bible doesn't have any indication that microevolution happened after the fall. Certainly, things change over time. So on a macro level, evolution took place. But remember, uh, the lions did play with the prey prior to sin. Yes, they did. I know it seems hard to believe, but it happened. I mean, just just as if it was, you know, hard to believe that Adam and Eve could live in full fellowship with God before the fall. Uh, it's ha- it's true. It happens. Uh, and so uh, the animals after the fall uh, began to pre- to prey on one another. Um, we know that in the future that even children are going to be playing with snakes in the in the glorious. Uh, eternal kingdom of God in the millennial kingdom that once again, things will be restored back to a pre-sin issue, pre-sin condition, and these animals will uh, no longer be predators. So that's kind of cool. Anyway, 303-690-3000 is the number. It looks like we got nobody on the phone lines. So I want to invite you out to church this weekend. Uh, One of the big things that we're going to see this weekend is that um, <clears throat> the book I just wrote is going to be available. We finally put it into print. Uh, it is was a work of it was a I guess you could call it a labor of love. It was born in grief on the passing of my son Eddie at the age of twenty six. As a matter of fact, if you read in the first page, uh, I dedicated it uh, to my wife Marie, my children. Uh, Joshua and Katie in memory of my son Eddie and my grandson Levi and I posted a couple pictures I didn't post them we printed them one picture is a picture of my family um, that was the last Christmas uh, that we had together uh, which is kind of bittersweet Um, the photo actually is bittersweet for a lot of reasons but one of them is that was our last Christmas and yeah, it, it was. I edited it a little bit because I didn't have permission to use everyone in the photo, um, but I did have permission to use my family, and and got their permission specifically. And um, you know, it was the last Christmas that we enjoyed 
together, not knowing it was going to be our last Christmas. It was kind of, that's heavy, man. And then that picture right below it, right on the dedication page, was a, the last time, uh, at least that it was photographed, with me, my son, and my grandson. Huh. It's uh, heavy duty, but good, because God is good. And he's able to, to bring beauty from ashes. And he's be able to bring joy out of sorrow. And that's what I want to remind you through the book. I want you to know that God is with you, that he has help for your troubled heart. And it doesn't have to be deep grief. It's not a book on grief, although if you're grieving, it was good for you. Uh, it's It could be you know, a job loss. It could be a divorce. It could be prodigal kids. It could be a medical diagnosis. I mean, we all, I, I, I mean, really, if you think about it, like all of us have troubled hearts from time to time. So not only do I want to get this book in your hands, but I think it's important you get it for your family, like as gifts. We wanted to get it done before Christmas so that it could be available to your uh, family and you can get copies for your family um, and your friends. So, um, you know, I'm happy. Uh, it's, it's, it, it isn't often, I mean, we get books published, but we got two books published. We got a, a mini book, a pamphlet, and this published within a month of each other. It's like, whoa, this all happened so quickly. So encouraged because the Lord wants to strengthen us. All right, we got a phone call. Line three is Tara calling from Mead, Colorado. Tara, welcome to the program. Hi, I just had a hey. question about Matthew 24. Okay. My question was, it seems like I'm I'm not at home, so I don't have my Bible to look, but if I remember right, it seems like it talks about signs of the end times first, and then it talks about the Antichrist, and then it talks about the rapture or what it, or it seems like that's kind of the order it goes into. Sure. Am I misreading that or what is your interpretation of that? Yeah, it goes actually back and forth. That's a great, you, you've summarized it well, although, you know, I, we'd have to go through and kind of look to see, cause there's even debate whether that's the rapture or that's the second coming. Uh, but certainly Jesus is answering questions that are on the minds of his disciples and it does go back and forth. So the whole section really is Jesus wanting to prepare uh, the disciples first to ask the question, the apostles, and us uh, for what's coming in uh, at the end. And it does go back and forth, so you have to read 24 very carefully. So my, so why I'm asking is, I, I have a blog and YouTube channel, and we talk about these things a little bit as kind of part of our ministry part portion of it. And Okay. I'm pre-trib. I think Thessalonians says, yes, we're all going before the tribulation. But my viewers who come back and say, well, no, Matthew 24 is saying that here's the sign of the end times, then we're going to have the tribulation, and then we're going to all leave. How do I answer them? Well, one of the ways that I answer them is I, I force people with those kind of questions to point me exactly where they're developing that. Uh, because if they if they try to put it back on me, like so they can ask me, well, what's your emphasis on? Uh, why do you why your emphasis on pre-trib? Well, I can give them fourteen answers to that question, and then they can deal with all fourteen things. So one one of the ways I like to answer that is, well, tell me the scripture 
and let's talk about that particular scripture. Um, and, you know, let's say uh, verse 9 of chapter 24, they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. False prophets will rise up, deceive many, because of lawlessness will abound, many, love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And, and so you've got an interesting phrase there, don't you? You've got from verse 9, speaking to them directly, all the way to the end of verse 13, speaking to the end of the age. Mm-hmm. So you've got a long time period Jesus is talking about here. And one thing that one thing that folks have a tendency to do is they don't read context very well. Uh, so you have both a direct statement to the people that are standing in front of Jesus, but then he broadens it. It says right here, verse thirteen: "He to but he who endures to the end." Well, when is the end? Has the end happened yet? No, it hasn't. So, delivering us up to tribulation. Does does is not a reference to the great tribulation because the end hasn't yeah. happened yet. There's an endurance, but, and certainly there are believers, according to Revelation, that will go through the tribulation. Um, but I think that you you've got with prophecy. If we're not, if we don't take a careful reading of it, then what will happen is is that we'll mix up both the immediacy because sometimes the prophecy has a dual fulfillment. There's an immediacy mm-hmm. to it. And there's a future component to it. For example, in verse 15, when you see the abomination of desolation, well, there's sure. a, there is an immediacy to that. They're going to see it. The people Jesus is speaking to in, the, in front of him did see the abomination of desolation. And yet at the same time, there's also a prophetic end times aspect to that that hasn't happened yet that the Antichrist will fulfill. Mm-hmm. So you have so if people aren't careful, they're gonna, and it's easy to do um, because prophecy can be challenging. But mm-hmm. there's a, an immediate context to it, and in some cases there is a future context to it. So Matthew twenty four has to be read carefully, and then I would even broaden that one step further and say, hey, look, this is a secondary issue in the body of Christ. That if we spend our time, I'm just going to share you share my view with you. If you don't agree with it, you don't have to agree with it. Live your life under the Lord however you want. But I'm going to live looking for the blessed hope. I'm not going to live looking for the great tribulation period. And if I do go through the great tribulation period and I'm wrong, then the Lord will strengthen me and strengthen my faith and preserve me to the end because the Bible says so. Yeah, and that's pretty much what I have said but they always come back and say that the tribulation portion of that scripture is meaning the great tribulation. I said, well, I don't think that's what that means. I think that as Christians, before we go up, are going to have tribulation in our life. But then they say, well, then it talks about the abomination of desolation. Yeah. So we're going to see the temple and the Antichrist before we go, because that's then before the next section, which seems to imply that we're going to go after that. So that's well, where I've been confused in trying to answer them. And I do tell them, you know, if you don't if you don't believe that, that's fine. But yes. I just was curious if you had a if you had a thought on that. Yeah, my my because so many people love to argue especially as you're navigating through the minefield of social media 
yeah. and communicating the gospel through YouTube is just going to draw out all the arguers. So oh, instead, <laughs> I, I really, I, I really don't pause much for the arguers. I, I just posted this today. I got it from someone else, but I kind of reworded it. Um, Ed Stetzer actually posted this uh, in a different way, but I wrote it this way. Um, I said, attempting to answer critics and snipers on social media is like jumping into the mud to wrestle a pig. You both get dirty, but only the pigs like the mud. Yep. <laughs> and 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 so it, it's like there are definitely times to give an answer, but most of the time they're just snipers and trolls and people yeah. that just want to argue. And I'm not, I don't go, I don't do this radio program. I don't go on YouTube myself or however to argue. I, I do, I want to minister. I, I make room for varying opinions if it's not essential but they're not going to, I mean, I'm not always perfect. Sometimes I do get trapped into an argument, but that's my fault. You know, I'm the one that, that jumped into the mud. And, um, and so I, I, so my, I prefer just to say, this is my view. I have a good reason for my view. You can shoot my view down, but I didn't make it up. It's good biblical sound foundation to my belief. So um, if you email me, I can send you quite a bit of information. Um, okay. I have it all ready to, I'll copy and paste it for you and, and you can look at in depth. Um, I think I said 12, I might've made a 12 reasons. I believe in a treat pre-trib rapture, I think is the name. Oh yeah. I've read um, that one. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. You and did really good. A lot in that. of good I really stuff. From... And actually, actually I've shared it with my viewers because we get a lot of people who just want to argue and. About half of them I just delete because I don't yeah. want an argument to, you know, get blown yeah. up, which happens a lot. But we mm-hmm. kind of got caught off guard because our channel is not about Bible stuff at all. And then people started asking us questions about our faith, and we're like, well, yes, okay, we're going to answer good. them. But I don't want to argue either, you know. Right. And so pretty much you have, um, what, uh cemented what we've been doing and that we're doing it right. But I was just a little confused because I was like, well, I don't want to argue with these people, but how, I wasn't quite sure how to answer them because it does look like the order is out, so to speak, on Matthew 24. So, Yes. All right. Well, you thank know, you, you know very who much. Made, I really appreciate it. Do you know who made um, a all-millennial view popular? No. The Roman Catholic Church. Oh, really? Yeah, it's rooted in the Roman Catholic Church and carried on throughout the Reformed theology. That's one thing. As a matter of fact, you know, within the uh, this anti-Semitic vein that the Church has been, something called replacement theology, Uh where prophetic texts are are read historically instead of prophetic, instead of putting them in a prophetic category, you'll hear Mm. people put them in what's called apocalyptic category so that it doesn't speak to the future. That's something that was born really uh, through Augustine, throughout the Roman Catholic Church, and then carried on through Reformation theology, so that today, most Reformed uh, churches, that's Presbyterians, Lutherans, uh, those that call themselves Reformed, Calvinists, um, they hold to an amillennial theology and something known as replacement theology that says that there's no future for Israel because the church has replaced Israel. Mm-hmm. And that has yep. serious connotations um, and serious exegesis issues throughout the scriptures. But 
that's where it was born in, I, I don't have the exact year, I'd have to look it up, but through Roman Catholic, Roman Catholic. I mean, I'm sure it was before that, but it's right. that's who's made it really popular, and that's why it's still carried through today, even even in uh, real, um, in Reformed churches. Interesting. I'll have to tell my husband that, because he grew up Catholic, and yeah. then was saved in his early 20s, and so he'll find that interesting. We didn't know that, huh? Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. I'll All email right. you for more information. Um, I really okay, appreciate fantastic. it. God bless you. Bye-bye. Have a good night. Bye-bye. All right. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000. Uh, there is a call that want to know what our view is of the COVID vaccine and the mark of the beast. I don't think the COVID vaccine is the mark of the beast. However, I do think it does have it's it's like a prelude or a preview of how things are going to be in the last days. You guys are living in, you guys, us, we are living in some of the most interesting days ever, ever, ever uh, in Bible history. And you're seeing things like never before. Uh, so remember this when it comes to the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast will be taking willingly, not to protect your health, uh, like other vaccines, but the mark of the beast will be taken willingly in allegiance to the Antichrist. It will be a choice that's made that will mark your allegiance. It is a religious decision. And I'm not saying a religious decision can't be muddied in the waters of government or anything. Of course it can. But it won't be, and it won't be taken against your will. Uh, you will willingly take the mark. You won't receive it. It won't be forced upon you. Um, you know, kind of like uh, with dogs, you know, when you tag your dog with that little chip, your dog doesn't ask for that. It's given, it's forced upon him. And so he, that little pup you have isn't responsible for the mark. And if something was forced upon you, you can't be responsible for it. But when you cooperate or you request, then comes responsibility. So, you know, I, I don't really have much more information about it. I know that, you know, conditioning, social engineering, that's all happening. It's been happening the, the, what we call what we call today conditioning or social engineering, thirty years ago, fifty years ago, it was being described as advertising. Uh, what I mean by that is advertising is a conditioning, and it is a vehicle to tempt you to purchase something that you don't need and you didn't want until you saw it. And people are paid millions of dollars to figure out ways to sell us things, to condition us to buy a brand name. Isn't it funny, you know, a lot of things in Costco under the Kirkland brand are brand name things that just has Kirkland on it. But then the brand name thing could be right next to it, $3 more, and a person will pay $3 more for the same ingredients because of a catchy brand name commercials or a pretty box. 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, taking your calls and your questions. And we're coming up on a break, so we'll have to get anything. Like Mark, I'll get you right after the break. 
um, will take that call and anyone else. We've got two open lines ready to take your call. You're listening live, except for you guys on Hope FM and Truth FM and other stations around the country. You hear this one week delayed, but you're listening live. We just got back from Watts for a mission trip to minister to literally hundreds and hundreds of people in the projects in Watts alongside of my friend, Pastor Jose Hernandez, the pastor of Hope Central Watts. We took our school ministry out there for their trip that they need is required for them to graduate. And we had such a glorious time. Unbelievable. It was so good. Um, just sweet. And um, I'll talk a little bit about the risks and everything. People were going, I can't believe you went out there. Well, look at the risks to COVID and things and all the lockdowns or whatever. But I'll make sure that um, I fill you in on that when we get back. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to Calvary Live. Glad that you joined us this afternoon. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and your questions. 303-690-3000, Let's pick up before I have any introductory remarks. Let's see. Mark up in Loveland, Colorado. Mark, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you, Pastor Ed. Hey, I'm sitting here with my wife, Faye, and I just wanted you to know we're on a recorded line. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I just, I've always wanted to say that. Okay, great. Anyway, what can I do for you, Mark? I was wondering how you could, uh, how we could get a hold of of that new book you put out. I remember when the uh, teaching series came out, Help for the Troubled Heart, yes. and we would love to get a whole copies of that for Christmas to give to a lot of family. It is available on Amazon already. Oh, it's already available? It's already available. We're making it available like the hard copy. We got some printed uh, and and I got a pre-order of them, but you you should be able to order it and deliver it directly from Amazon. Okay, great. Because that teaching series was so good. And I'm really happy with the way it came out. We we partnered with a ghostwriter, you know, somebody that could edit my words for readability. Um, and the gal's name is Mary, and she did such a great job of rearranging things in such a way where it reads very smoothly and and just gives God all the glory. Like that, that really, I guess, the way to summarize it is it's not a story about me. It's a story about the Lord, and um, it really gets our eyes back on Him. And, you know, if it's, if it's grief, you know, and you go into the depths of grief and depression— um, the Lord can pull you out, or if it's just something that's more temporary. But um, it was super hard, you know, I can say. It was a super hard season, but the Lord's faithful. I, I understand. We've been listening to you for a long, long time. And we do appreciate your ministry, because we're way up here in Loveland, up in northern Colorado. Oh, yeah. That's where, you know, that's where the, that's why you guys get 89.7 so strong, because that's where the tower is. Oh, we get it beautiful here. We have it on all the time. Okay, what did you want me to say on recording so you could use it against me the rest of my life? No, I, I'm joking. I just always wanted to I know, I was joking too. It's, I should get to joke too. <laughs> <clears throat> but 
but I love uh, you guys. Anyway, does the book follow pretty closely to what the teaching series was? Oh, it does. Yes, it is. Oh, it is the yeah. teaching series in readable form. Okay. Well, we love you too. We have you on every Saturday night, and every Sunday live service, and always listening to you during the week. So keep up the good work and the good movement. We really appreciate you. Greatly honored. Appreciate your prayers. God bless you, brother. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number, 303. So we had, you know, we had, we got open lines, by the way. We had people talk to us about why would you guys leave during this time? And, and we're told and recommended not to leave. And, um, but we believe that our yes is yes and our no is no. And we made a commitment to the people at Hope Central Watts and to the people that lived in the projects that they didn't even know. I mean, there's so much to say about the trip, but I can say that it would have been virtually impossible for 20,000 pounds of food to be delivered to the people without our help. Um, We set up a little shopping area there and bagged and you know, everything, tomatoes, broccoli, fresh stuff. Good. It, it was, you, I don't, I don't know where to start. Let me, let me organize my thoughts here. Uh, first of all, we made a commitment and it wasn't illegal for us to travel. Number one. Number two, um, there are certain things that the body of Christ is called to do. I think of mother Teresa who went into the leper colonies. I mean, we didn't go into leper colonies, but we, we, you go in knowing that you are taking calculated risks. Why? For the gospel. We didn't go on vacation. I mean, most everything was closed. We found some things open that people were staying open, but like it was hard. It was, it was different, but you go, well, what about COVID? I don't want, I didn't want COVID. Um, I, I wanted to obey God and, I wanted to serve him and I, and you know, we took all the precautions that we were told to take. And, and like I was saying in the first half, if I get an opportunity to do it again, I would do it again. I would go right. I will obey God. And when we were in California last week, we received word that the governor of Colorado finally declared church because of a court case, he declared churches essential. And I'm sure that some churches are yay, yay, clapping in, but I, I'm I don't I'm not I don't want that because I don't need the governor who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus to tell me that the churches are essential. Of course, the church we've been meeting all along in person with all precautions uh, that all reasonable precautions taken, and I don't need the governor to tell us that we're essential. Of course, we're essential, and there's some things you can only do in person. Uh, we and then some people would say, "Well, Ed, why did you stop and do online in the beginning, uh, back in March? Because we didn't know what we we're dealing with. That's why we didn't know. We weren't sure. It was there was a lot of unknowns, and we temporarily went completely online, just for the sake of just for the sake of being careful. But when we received permission to meet again, we met again." or at least when the green light and we aren't looking back, but let's not be so excited that the government, you know, let's not be so mad that the government says churches aren't essential. And let's not be so excited when they say they are essential because the government doesn't care about the church. Government doesn't, unless they're a Christian, doesn't have the mind of Christ. 
The government is not the church. And therefore, we don't follow the lead of the government. Yes, we submit according to Romans until we're told to disobey God. Then we obey God. So there is submission, of course. Uh, like the speed limit, you know, you're supposed to follow the speed limit. That's that. But if somebody's chasing you, shooting a gun at you, then you want to value your life more than the speed limit, of course. When the government says, no, you can't, you can't worship, you can't worship, you can't worship your God publicly. It's not a constitutional issue. It's a Bible issue. And so I'm not personally celebrating anything. We're not changing. We're just doing what we've always been doing. Meeting, uh, being cautious and careful and proclaiming the gospel. I was in, in Watts. They're meeting outside in California. And I had the privilege of teaching Sunday. Uh, maybe 30 people were there, uh, which is about the size of the church there. The, he, you know, here's the thing. That's why he's a, he's a, a missionary, why we support him. Because the church where he's at will never be able to support him. <clears throat> However, you know, we were able to support him and other churches are too, Pastor Jose. Um, but the, um, the reality of, of the 30 people were there, were meeting outside preaching. I, I got to preach the gospel. I got to um, teach a, a message on hope. And out of the 30 people, two responded. That's almost 10%. It's like 15%. 15% of the people there were, responded to the gospel. <laughs> to the invitation to repent of their sins and follow Jesus. That's where it's at, man, right there. I was so excited every time somebody responds. So God would take me from Colorado, put me on a plane with six other people, fly out there, distribute food, love, care, serve. And then I had the privilege of teaching. And 15% of the uh, 15%, two people responded. I was like, oh, Lord, you're so good. You're so faithful. And we knew the risk when we went out there. And we're going to be faithful to obey God. We're not going to be uh, reckless. Uh, we're not going to be walking without wisdom. No way. Uh, but we're going to do what God called us to do. And that's what I want to be an example to you. I want you to do what God's called you to do. I want you to do what God's called you to do. Please. Would you please... Resist fear. Now, of course, if you're in a high risk, be careful. If you have compromised immune system, be careful. But do what God's called you to do these last days. Don't take your cue from the government Take your or Fox News or CNN. Take your cue from the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. Please. And let's do it together. Let's do it together. All right. Open lines, 303-690-3000. we got one waiting. I'm going to grab that one right now. But text me too, 720-336-0897. Let's go to Denver, Colorado. Jeremy's on line two. Welcome to the program. Hey, Ed. I've been What's reading up, the book of Joshua, and yes. I've got to the part where <clears throat> the walls of Jericho fall, and then the soldier, I think his name is pronounced Akon, yes. he takes spoil from war. Yes. And that's where the phrase they were sent in the camp came from. Correct. And yes, I'm right. trying to differentiate or I was wondering if you could uh just tell me the difference between like where Moses said you won't be punished 
for the sins of your father and what happened with Akon, where basically him, along with his whole family, was stoned and then burned. Um, That's kind of like a difficult passage to read when you look at it from the lens of, like, the family. Yeah. Well, I think there's quite a few lessons that we learned from Achan. We also have a New Testament example of this um, in the book of Acts, a very similar scenario at the birth. Like, here in Joshua, you have the birth of the nation in the Promised Land. When you get into New Testament, in the New Covenant, and you have Ananias and Sapphira at the birth of the church, uh, you have a very similar scenario where their sin was openly judged by death before the people. And here with Achan, there, I believe, uh, again, the text doesn't say, that's what's given you much trouble, but the text doesn't say, but the I believe the implication is that his family participated in this. Um, that they knew he had hidden something or something along those lines where they don't stay up. But even if they didn't, let's just say, even if they didn't, the reality of of life and death is in the hands of God. Uh, And he's the one that's the author of life, and he is the author of, of death in that sense, where he can take life and he can give life and he can take life um, because he's the creator of life. Um, so you've got Achan here at the birth of the nation, and Achan completely disobeyed in the battle. Uh, and as <clears throat> as things were revealed, you can see that the families were separated um, one by one um, to the point where confession was made. Don't hide it. Um, you know, there's sin in the camp, and in this case, his sin was the the penalty of his sin was spread throughout his family. Um, and it's in a dramatic way. It's in a, it's not repeated. You know, we don't have this repeated again, um, in relationship with the, um, with the children of Israel in this sense. Again, it was like God giving a warning to the rest of the nation that sin is serious and disobedience is serious. Um, they, the family, suffered for the sins of the dad. Now, we also read in verse 24 that it was at the hands of Joshua. Uh, and not The death was at the hands of Joshua and the elders, not necessarily God. Um, and so it could be that the elders, they represent this and say that, you know, your whole family, we're not going to have anything of your family um, going to continue on. Um, but... When I get to the New Testament and I see it with Ananias and Sapphira, you know, there's no indication um, that Sapphira, uh, there's no indication that that Sapphira was innocent, even though it's they conspired together and she hours happened. She didn't know the judgment of her husband. She comes in and she gives the same lie and mm-hmm. suffers of it. Um, there's no indication that. Um, any warning was given to her or anything like that. Um, but I don't, I don't think that Joshua seven is a, um, contradiction of the, um, admonition that everyone's going to pay for their own sin because all of the sons and daughters, um, 
were born in sin, so there's an, an essence of their own sin. They're, nobody's innocent. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's going to die, you and me including. Nobody's innocent. The wages of sin for all of us, what we have here is and what we would conceive as a, or what we would conclude as an early death. Uh, we don't know exactly how old the sons and daughters are. Uh, we always mm-hmm. kind of assume they're much younger, but we don't know. Um, but I think there's an assumption in that that the um, that the penalty here was given as a result for the whole family's kind of in on it, even though it doesn't say. So you have it's conjecture. Um, I couldn't teach that definitively um, because the text doesn't say. But um, there is some indi- there there would be to me some indication that they were complicit in it even though the Bible, it doesn't say exactly. Okay. That is my question. Thank you. Can I give you one more ob- observation on that? Sure. Um, let's, let's put it into a modern-day construct for a second and say, is it possible for innocent people to die? Uh, let's even put it this way, innocent family members to die because of the sin of a dad. And the answer is yeah. yes. Uh, if the dad was drunk driving and the penalty for that drunk driving was running into a wall and everyone in the car died with him, then the innocent died with the guilty. Uh, but that was the consequence. And I think, I know, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's been a while since I taught Joshua, but I'm pretty sure that when we went through this text um, that I reminded people that this, that we, that, that we must be careful with sin because innocent people do suffer because of our sin. Um, and, you know, I, I, while we were talking, I'm also looking up a Bible difficulty book. Here, listen to this. One, one of the views is, is that the text declares that Israel, in verse 25, that, that, uh, that he was stoned and the reference to burning was all the silver, gold, and garment that he had taken. Um, mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, the text doesn't say that, that would be an interesting thing, but it says them, um, stoning an inanimate object doesn't fit. So, um, it, it, the, the reality of, I, I kind of lean toward being complicit, um, that there was an implication that there was complicit, um, and that the guilt of the elder, the guilt of the family was, the fact that they were stoned implies guilt. Again, the text doesn't say that, but right, that's kind of where I would look. But I do know that innocent people do suffer because of our sin. So um, in that sense, like innocence of the exact sin, but in, a, in another sense, we're all guilty. All of us are going to die because of our sin. Um, it's a hard one, man. I don't want my I, I don't want my kids to suffer because of my sin, but I know they have. Right. Okay. Well, thank you. Okay, buddy. Thanks for your call. All right. Bye. Bye bye. I love these questions because the, I love dealing with the difficulty of the text. And we don't have to have every single answer um, for every single thing. I believe God has given us tension in the Bible that will draw out from us faith. And, and in that, um, our trust in God that he's righteous and true, even in the things that we don't fully know. Um, I think it's wrong to say that we can answer every single question without any doubts or without any 
I don't know about that. I wonder. Um, the Bible says that God's ways are not our ways. And so we can trust that whatever they faced either was a mistake by the elders or authorized by a holy and a righteous God. That's pretty cool. Um, Barbara in Colorado. Barbara, welcome to the program. Okay, thank you. I know you're time welcome. is of the essence here, and you're about to go sure, off. Sure, what do you so got? I, I have three questions. If you can answer any of them, that would be great. Well, let's start one with one them, at a time. That way you'll get the answers you're looking for. Okay, one of them is I would like to have something in the Bible that gives me um, answers to a flat earth. Somebody thinks we have a flat earth, and I need to tell that person no. Well, that's a good question because that's um, become a very popular position um, that the earth is flat. Really? It's kind of like it's kind of like uh, the the that the landing on the moon wasn't really uh, real. Uh, and yeah, yeah, you know when you when you're looking at various passages in the scripture, um, like pillars, like corners, um, there's a metaphorical significance to that um the earth um it, i mean and, and number one number two um we should um we should make sure that we we understand that when the bible speaks of the uh when the bible speaks of the earth it also mentions that um that the earth is spherical uh and round um and I'm looking at, <clears throat> excuse me. Well, I'm looking I found at those the and passages. said something to her, and that wasn't enough for her. She still wouldn't believe. Yeah, I mean, I think that the because it's easier to re- believe in these days of of um, conspiracy theories. Um, it's it's easy to think, well, you know what? It's just a table sitting on spheres. Um, you know, that, like, for example, one of the big things um, that is used to substantiate a flat earth is that it's on pillars. But, you know, people are called pillars, too, uh, in yeah. the Bible. So the idea right. that pillars of the earth, um, pillars of the earth was is just a simple, simply a poetic way to describe foundations, just like uh, the apostles uh, or the pillars of the church um, it doesn't mean that the church is a table and they're the legs. It just means that they're the foundation. Let me recommend uh, two places for you to go that you can okay. gain some deep information. Number one is a book called The Case for the Creator by Lee Strobel. And the other is a website that you can go to by Ken Ham called Answers in Genesis. Answers in Genesis. I figure if you can't answer it, nobody else is going to. (laughs) (laughs) So what else? What else can you, what else would you like? The other one is I have looked and I can't seem to find. I told a lady, we are saved past, present, and future uh, sins. And she looked at me like I had just fallen off a cliff. Can I find something in the Bible that will definitely say 
God well, has forgiven us for past, present, and future sins. Well, there isn't a scripture that you can point to, but there are certainly principles you can point out to her. The first one is in, let's use John 3.16, and we can point out to someone that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. So immediately uh, you have given in the most popular verse a promise of cleansing that will enable a person to enter into the presence of God. Um, That requires the forgiveness of sins. That requires a forgiveness of all sins, not just some sins. Um, Either either the... um, Either the uh, atonement and blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins, or it doesn't, and that's an important distinction. Like you, we we can't have it uh, both ways. The reality of what God is wanting to accomplish in us, like you can't you can't be you can't be cleansed for some sins. Uh, you have to be cleansed from all sins, just like. Um, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Um, the reality is is that all sin is now forgiven, and that all it means all. It's a very simple word. Um, it speaks of, of for example, in Galatians chapter three, verse twenty-two, Scripture has confined all under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to all who believe. Um, the when you are taken from death into life. You are brought immediately in. You're born again into life. Um, so you won't be able to you won't be able to um, find a scripture that says that specifically. But the principles are all over. I mean, just read the book of Romans. I would point her to the book of Romans because Romans is the the scriptural mandate for the forgiveness of sins. Like the reality of the full. We either get full forgiveness. Or partial forgiveness. So I would ask that lady, so are you saying we're partially forgiven? And let her explain her view. Okay. Right? Because well, that's what she's saying. What she's saying is, is the atonement only forgives some sins. So make her prove her point. What sins aren't forgiven? Well, you know, the sins that, so does God not know the future in our lives? He knows all things. So of course he knows the sin that will come in the future. Um, so it, it won't, you know, again, the, the point of that fullness of salvation, we believe that the blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient and that Jesus is our propitiation, right? That's what the Bible says. He, he's our propitiation. He's our atoning sacrifice. So what does that, what does that mean to her? That's an important question well, to ask. She's a Seventh-day Adventist, and isn't that a break-off <laughs> of the Catholic? And they believe uh, the that... Se- well, I would no. put it. I would put it more along these lines. Seventh Day Adventism bird Jehovah Witnesses, so they share quite a v- bit of those views where um, the 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 sum and substance of the Seventh Day Adventist is a legalistic view. You've got to earn your salvation by keeping dietary restrictions. Um, if you email me, I can send you all the information you will need to answer Seventh Day Adventist. A friend of mine in Phoenix was a seven-day Adventist. He's a Calvary Chapel pastor now, and he's dedicated his life to equipping answers for the seven-day Adventist. Okay, I did hear a minister in her church one time. I went with her, and he said, if you're not a, seven, uh, a seven-day Adventist, you're going to hell. 
and I couldn't believe yeah, what that, I heard, but that's it's not true. Okay, we got uh, one minute, maybe sixty seconds. Okay, there, third the question. next one was uh, this person that I wanted to talk about in the fir- first place, the flatters, uh, says Billy Graham is a cult, is in a cult. And so I, is there something I can just, I listen to him all the time. And I'm so sad for her. Well, I think that the approach of, you know, the thing, all three of your questions were designed very carefully to put you on the defense. And you can feel that. You're defensive, and I don't mean in a bad way. You want to give a good answer, kind of like in a good way, like Peter said, be ready to give a defense. But they form their questions in a way to keep you off balance. So the best way to approach a person like this is to say, prove it. What exactly did he say or has he said that puts him, and maybe even this, this might throw her off a little bit. Ask her to define a cult for you. So I don't... I'm not quite sure what what you mean by cult. Tell me what you mean. And if she says something like, well, he's a false teacher, what did he say? And let's talk specifically and, and where, and, you know, even put it this way. What did he say and where does it not line up with the scripture and, and put it back on her? I'm sorry. You hear the music. Email me. I'll send you some info. Hey, thanks for uh, calling today. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Thanks for your prayers. God is great. This week, we're going to release the book, God's Help for the Troubled Heart. It's going to be awesome. We'll see you at Calvary Church. We'll be in person. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.